Well, praise God. Good to see everybody in the house of the Lord. Well, we've been we've been doing the series on the wilderness. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, I think some of them is online, some of them is on its way. But week one, we spoke about what is a wilderness. Uh, and, and we spoke about why a wilderness, why we go through the wilderness. Week two, which was last week, we spoke about the process of the promise, which is pretty much that uh, usually the wilderness journey always begins with a promise. And as part of that promise, there's a process, right? And I want to just quickly talk about just to re-engage us and just to make sure, because I know some maybe have not heard week one, week two. But in week one, I spoke about how in life, we go through a phase where we feel far from God. And we sort of sometimes feel like, uh, you know, is there anything wrong with me? Have I committed a sin? What's happened? And sometimes it's not the case, but you feel far. You know, you feel God is there, but He's not here. And, and, and we spoke about why that happens and how that happens. And, and, and it's almost like, you know, you, you go through this phase where everything was beautiful and amazing. And now it feels gray and beige. You know what I'm saying? And, and it's sort of like what's going on. And we found that as much as it's painful, it is essential. And then from there, we realize that the reason God does that is He gives us a promise, like He gave the children of Israel a promise. And then from there, He puts us in this place called the wilderness before we enter the promised land so that we don't take our poverty mindset, we don't take the negative mindset, we don't take the carnality with us to where God has His plans and purpose and His destiny. We also learned in week one that we cannot shorten our stay in the wilderness but we can extend it. Where the children of Israel went from a one-year stint in the wilderness to 40 years in the wilderness. In week two, which was last week, we studied about the process of a promise. And we dive deep into the life of a guy called Joseph, where again, just like the story goes, Joseph had a dream from God. In other words, he was given a promise. And then he gets sold into slavery by his own brothers and then he finds himself as a slave. He finds himself in prison. And then one thing, it gets worse and worse and worse and worse. But all through the way he is tested, he is tried, he's go, going through different trials, yet comes through not smelling like smoke, but burning like gold and gets elevated into the palace in a moment. That dream that he had as a young boy becomes a reality in a moment, but he had to go through the wilderness. In fact, we finished off at Psalm 105, verse 17. It says, he sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. Verse 18, they hurt his feet with fetters. He was laid in irons, verse 19, until the time that his word came to pass, the word of the Lord test, tested him. Now, I felt like Leah set the scene for me this morning because, uh, uh, you know, this is not, this is week three and week three is when the salaries come out. <laughs> Not calories, celeries. You know what I'm saying? You're at the lunch table, you're at the dinner table, and there's, uh, uh, there's chicken wings, and week, week two was sort of like chicken wing week, you know? And, and now it's like celeries, but celeries are not good for the mouth, but good for the bones. In the same way, this message, I believe, is going to be good for the soul in Jesus' name. But I want to talk, I'm called this message special purpose. See, God, when He calls His children, when He called you, He gave you a promise but with that promise, there's this thing called special purpose. When God looks at you, He says, that is my son, that is my child. I've dedicated him or her for my special purpose. So many times we wake up like little children with 
uh, wide-eyed and elevated dreams of greatness. God's promise, but God does not see his promise. He sees his special purpose. And I remember this because when I first got saved, I was so well-mannered. You should have met me. I was, in, I was opening people's doors and, you know, shouting people's coffee. I still do that to some degree. But you know what I'm saying? We all have this incredible fascination. We are kind. We are polite. Stuff that we struggle with, we don't struggle with anymore. It's like God just set me free. That's not happening. You know, people are shouting at you. You're prophesying good things over them. You know, you know, you know, people are angry. You are happy. It's just all happening. And then one day, the fuse goes off and all of a sudden, you're not prophesying, you're saying unknown tongues, but not the heaven kind. <laughs> and, and you're frustrated, you're irritated. Your family that was inspired by your faith for six months feels like you're backslidden. And we've all been there. And if you haven't, wait for another six months, it's on its way. <laughs> but for the rest of us, you know what I'm talking about. I've had, I had this moment, I remember in my early years of faith where God, I thought that was dealt with. God, I thought that was taken care of. Why am I having these thoughts? Why, are these go, why is this going through my mind? Why am I speaking that way? Why wasn't I thinking? I mean, I was so well behaved. What happened? And all of a sudden there's habits and mindsets. And in fact, some of the habits get worse than before you were saved. Before God called you. And you're like, what is happening here? And we have these words called backslid, and now there is a reality of that happening. But for some of us, or for most of us that love Jesus, that love God, that have a heart for the things of God, you're like, what is going on with me? I should not behave this way. And we start saying things like, I want to go back. I want to go back. When I first met Jesus, I want to go back. In fact, we even go through the point of I want to go back to where I first got saved. I want to go back to that first church. I want to go back. I've, I remember when I first really encountered God, it was at a youth camp. So then every year I'd wait for the youth camp and I would relive. True story. Year one, powerful. Year two, not so powerful. Year three, I made sure I was sitting in the exact seat. Nobody take this seat. I was like, Sister Susie, nobody take my seat. Reservation, right? Because God met me here two years ago. He's going to meet. Nothing happened. What's happening, God? What's going on in me? In, in week one, we read this portion of Scripture, Deuteronomy 8, and we're going to get the mandate from that this morning. Deuteronomy chapter 8, Moses is talking to the children of Israel, and he's telling them why God took them into the wilderness, right? The wilderness. Deuteronomy 8 verse 1, every commandment which I command you today, you must be careful to observe that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land on which the Lord swore to your fathers. And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years where? In the wilderness. We're doing a series on the wilderness in case you have forgotten. Why, why were they in the wilderness? Number one, to humble you and test you and to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. I love this. This is literally like God knew that we were going to do the series in the month of July 2022. He's given us a blueprint here. Week one, what do we learn? Humility is the key to greater grace. 
God needed them to walk in greater grace before they could enter the promised land. And hence he allowed a season of testing to produce humility in them so that his extensive heart of grace would be extended towards them. So out of that grace, they could enter the promised land. That was week one. Week two, what do we learn? The Joseph test. What do we read? These 40 years, why? You were in the wilderness to humble you and to test you. But week three, we're going to understand that the reason why God took them to the wilderness was to know what was in your heart. Now I'd read this and I began to see, yes, this is God's special people, God's special purpose, and we must go through a season of refinement and things like that. And I would always read this as God was revealing what's in my heart, right? Now you're like, yeah, 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 I agree. You're like, tell me something new. I would always read this as God wanted to know what was in my heart. Could I propose to you that before I went through my testing, God already knew what was in my heart? Could it be possible that God was trying to show you what was in your heart? See, God knows everything. So he knows that issue of lust. He knows that issue of anger. He knows that issue of pride. But he has to allow the wilderness season for you to know that there is an issue. It's not for God to know. Remember, we learned that God has saved us despite of the issue. But he needs to take us through a season where we need to have a revelation that this is there within us. And I've come to realize this because when I was going through my wilderness period, you know, you have the tendency to blame the world around you. My circumstances, the people around me. That happened. That did not happen. That incident, that circumstances. And you begin to, in fact, we say things like, watch this. We say things like, you're bringing, every husband has heard this. Every wife has heard this. Don't, don't look at me like you know what I'm talking about. All right. At least not at me. So I'm not the only one that said this. You are bringing the worst out of me. How many of you have said that? Now, here's the funny part, right? We say this like we're telling the other person, you're doing this to me. You're aggravating me. Where was that worst thing? It was inside of me. So thank you for bringing it out. Thank you for bringing it out, Leah, because God needed to deal with it, right? Every husband looks to your wife and says, thank you for bringing, God used you to bring it out. Every, every wife, thank you, husband. God used you to bring We say things like that, like to almost tell the person, reduce the heat, right? If there was no worse in you, it would never manifest in the first place. <laughs> Are you with me? So wilderness season is essential for the revealing of what is within. And I remember when I was 19, 20, as I was going through this season, I came across a book by John Bevere called A Heart Ablaze. And I'm going to read, I'm going to share from a little thought I learned in that book. And so John Bevere had a season where he was in ministry and he was, he was getting angry. He was getting frustrated. He began to go, what is going on? And, and God literally, as he was praying one morning, God said to him, look at your finger. And he was wearing a gold ring. And God began to speak to him about gold and what, what gold is and what it does. What it does, Because we got to understand if, it, if there's any person here, if, you've, if you wear gold, if you have gold, we, it's very rare to get pure gold. 
It's very rare. Most, most gold rings, most, most instruments of gold that we have is an alloy. It's a mixture of things. You know, there's levels of purity, 100% purity. There's, there's 100% pure gold. There's 59% gold. There's 34% gold. But the thing is, when you look at something that says that's a gold ring, you are never able to differentiate the gold ring that's 100% versus a gold ring that's 34%. It both looks the same. It both looks, and, and you see that with people that are walking with Jesus. You can't really differentiate what really is within. Are you 100% for Christ? Are you 100% carrying the things of God? Are you 34% carrying the things of God? Because what you got to understand, church, is at the end of this journey called life, when we look, when, when we look at Jesus' face in heaven, the dream is, I don't know if you know this, the dream is that when Jesus looks at you, he sees himself. The purity, the holiness, the, the totality of Jesus revealed in us. And so the only way gold is, 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 is purified or to reveal what is within the gold is it needs to be heated. You got to heat the ring, heat it a bit more, a little bit more. And when you think you're done, heat it twice more. And what begins to happen as you do that is this thing called dross starts to rise up to the surface and in that dross will be all the silver whatever things that's there and then the gold settles to the bottom and there's there begins to be a differentiation between the purity of the gold and the impurities of the substance that was added to the gold to make it look like all gold and what the wilderness does is the wilderness positions you to go through a season, it's the right temperature. It's literally like God's little oven that he's put us in. His beautiful climate control where the scorpions and the, and, and, and the, and the emus are running around and, and, and the scarcity and you're deprived of things and he's setting it at the right temperature. Why? To dis differentiate between what is pure and what is impure. And the wilderness is the place where the impurity is dealt with. Are you with me? We need to understand this. Check out what it says in Proverbs chapter 25, verse 2. It says, It's the glory of God to conceal a matter. To search out a matter is the glory of kings. As the heavens are high and the earth is deep, so the hearts of kings are unsearchable. Now check out what it says in verse 4. Remove the dross from the silver, now we use gold as an example, it could be silver, and a silversmith can produce a vessel. See, Paul talks about us as being vessels of honor. Vessels of honor that can be used for God's great special purpose. But the only way we can be utilized for God's great special purpose is if we go through a process called purification. There's not much preaching about purity in church nowadays. You know what I'm saying? It's like that, oh, that back in the 90s. It's almost, we've kept it for the classic cassette tapes, VHS for the 90s. It's like, it's almost like God said, let's change the menu. I don't need anybody to be pure anymore. But let me tell you, Leah just said this, the word, it's, it, the word is not just true, the word is truth. The word is the measurement of our truth. And so what happens is when you go through the wilderness, we, have, we go through this process just like the silversmith where, where the heat is there and he can then remove the dross. But I like what verse 2 says. If you can put up the, uh, Proverbs 25 verse 2, it says, it's the glory of God to conceal a matter. You know what that is? That's the grace of God. 
God says, I know how messed up you are, but I don't want the world to see it. So I'm going to hide it. You thought you were a professional hider. <laughs> no, it's not you. It's God who makes you look that good. But what? It's, but it's the glory of kings to search out a matter. The Bible calls us kings and queens. The Bible calls us sons and daughters of the Most High God. The Bible calls us royalty. When God is fashioning you to royalty, He is putting upon you a mandate to search deep within the things that are pure and the things that are impure. And what God does is He loves you so much that He will not allow you to go to the palace to deal with it. He will put you in the wilderness so that nobody knows what's there, but only you know, so that you and God can deal with it. How amazing is that? That's grace. That's grace. Praise God. And this is why it's dangerous to flash on social media all our crimes, all our sins, all our, all our I mean, social media is not the social court. It's not the universal court. I mean, nowadays people are confessing stuff on social media. It's like, Get, go into the presence of the Lord. Go into the wilderness with God. Say, God, search my heart, oh God. Look in there if there's any guy. Look in there. I'm not saying you've got to show a form of perfection on social media, but social media is not, the, is not the universal code of justice where we get the right and wrong of life. Let not society decide what is pure, what is impure. Let the King of kings and the Lord of lords do his heart surgery in you in a safe and private and in a special place. And let me tell you, that place, my friend, it's not a celebrated place, but it's a much needed place. It's called the big W, the wilderness. It's called the wilderness. I hope after this series, you're beginning to understand that the wilderness is not this punishment thing that we go through, but it's actually a process that we must, must enter for God's special purpose. And I think about Israel. I started this whole series about with Israel in Egypt for what, 400 years, right? For 400 years, they were in Egypt. And then God rescues them, right? Says to them, what does he say? I'm about to lead you into the promised land. Does not say anything about the wilderness, right? Perfect God, <laughs> typical God, right? Does not say anything about the wilderness. It's not good, it's not attractive. Here's the promise. And God delivers on the promise, no doubt about that. There's a promise. And then takes them out. Now, now here's the thing, right? Think about Israel, Israel's journey, right? Israel is in, the, is, is in Egypt for what, 400 years, right? But think about their first few years, their first one year with God. Moses comes and says, God says, let my people go. And then plague one comes. Plague two. Plague three. Next thing you know, there's a guy singing songs in the valleys of Egypt. Pharaoh, Pharaoh. <laughs> Oh no, let my people go, right? But by the third week, by the fourth week now, Israel's, Israelites were slaves. Now Egypt's being judged, right? You're with me. Egypt's being judged. Think about the fourth week of the plague. The boss is turning up to work, Egyptian boss. He's trying to open up his mouth to give a pep talk. Flies are coming out of it. You know, slaves are like, man, what's up? God's embarrassing the bosses. God's embarrassing the people that put them in captivity. And Israel are like, man, this, Jesus, this God thing is the best thing ever. I mean, how good it is to be a Christian. How good it is to go to Hillsong Conference, everybody. How good it is to buy the CD. You've got the t-shirt too. Did you get the t-shirt of Uncle Moses? 
Now they're selling like staff of Moses and people are holding staffs. You know what I'm saying? I know I'm building something, but I'm speaking into our culture. I'm speaking into how sometimes when we get saved, you know, we're after the product. We're after this and we're after plague one, plague two, plague three. But it's got nothing to do with me. But God's making me look. Now being a Christian is cool. Now being a Jesus follower is trendy. All the celebrities are being saved. Plagues happening everywhere. Everyone's jumping ship into this one. Right? It's amazing. Until they reach the Red Sea. And then they're like, oh my gosh, no, this is too crazy. This is horrible. Nah, we're not sure about Moses raises, oh, Moses, you are amazing. I knew this was the intensive part of the conference I needed to come to. I'm so glad I signed up. It's so cool to be a Christian band. Come on, hashtag JC. And then God puts them in the wilderness and he doesn't do the same thing. And they're like, what's wrong with this Jesus thing? What's wrong with this God thing? What's God with this Jireh, this, this Elohim thing? It's not working. And you know what they start saying? It was better off in Egypt for us. It was better off back there. I was not as horrible back there. Life was so much better back there. And, and the song changes. No, no one's talking about the breakthrough moments. No one's talking about their testimony. Their testimony has now been corroded. But what they don't realize is that that was season one was important and significant. That was God getting them out of Egypt. But now God needed to get Egypt out of them. That was God getting you out of the world. How amazing it is when God picked me up. He picked me up from the miry clay just for me to realize that all the clay was in me. See, we sing that song, how he picked you up and set you up and all that, not knowing you, you had some stuff attached to you. And that comes revealed only in a season called the wilderness. The material gets heated. The gold gets separated. And that's when we got to understand because we need to understand those phases. Our phase. phase one was when God dealt with their enemies. Phase two is an attractive is when God starts dealing with this. But we're already in phase three. God, I'm ready for the promised land. Give it to me. You told me about the promised land in phase one. Where is the promised land? But God's like, no, no, I need you to go through phase two for me to deal with these things because you cannot take that into phase three. I'm doing something within. I'm revealing things. And some of us have gone through a season where there was a season where God concealed the matter. It was the glory of God to conceal a matter. But to search out a matter is the glory of kings. Kings. Let me talk about two kings in the Bible. We don't have to look too far. King number one, Saul. King number two, David. What was the difference? Let's, back, let's backtrack a moment. Amongst the two, personally, if you're counting sins on a thermometer... David was the bigger sinner. Yet, David ended well, Saul did not. Why? Because Saul never went through the wilderness. A king that's never been in the wilderness is like Saul, but a king that's been through the wilderness is like David. This is why David would write Psalms like, I'm so undignified, I'm so unqualified, I'm the worst of my home. Why? Because the wilderness really helps you understand your actual worth. 
really helps you understand what really is on the inside. The battles, the, the stink, the, the, the things of the world. If the world saw what was on, on within, it, 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 you know, no, oh God, thank you for protecting me, but now deal with this, God. And that's what David has gone through, but Saul never had the opportunity. He was elevated from, 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 from being the son of a businessman to the palace in a moment, never going through the wilderness. Yet David spent 16 years in the wilderness. And you look, greatness is birthed in people that go through that season of the wilderness because God is defining them. John Bevere talks about in his book, what happens to gold when it's purified. So why do we have to go through this promise? Why does God have to turn up the heat? Why do we have to go through the separation where what is pure and what is impure needs to be very clearly defined, very clearly established? And why do we have to go through this process? Because this is what happens when you go through this process, when you come out of the wilderness, here are the few of the things that happens. The first thing he says is, when we go through a season of purification, like gold, gold tenderizes. Gold goes through this process called tenderizes. It tenderizes. What is that? It becomes soft. It becomes malleable. Do you know what God has for you? He wants your heart to be tender before him. See, the reason why Pharaoh was judged was because Pharaoh's heart was hardened. And so God said, no, no, I, I can't work with hard-hearted people. I need to work. I can only use soft-hearted people. But for their hearts to be softened, they need to go through the pressure. They need to go through the wilderness. And it's in the wilderness season that your heart becomes tender before God. Your heart becomes sensitive before God. All of a sudden, grown-up 42-year-old men start crying in the presence of God. And there's nothing unmanly about weeping in the presence of God. Now, I just think sometimes we just build this culture. He's a man's man. Oh, Bob. Oh, sorry, I should use an Oak Cliff. Not talking about you. Oh, Cliff, he's a man's man. You know what I'm saying? The blokes come together. He's a man's. You know what? I actually don't want to be a man's man. I want to be a man of God. I think it's way better to be a man of God than a man's man. And I think there's something about being in his presence and saying, God, I'm hungry. God, I'm thirsty. You look inside of me. See those carnal thoughts. Deal with it. There's a heart, the tender. And as, and as God is dealing with those carnality, he says, look at that orphanage. Look at those broken people. Look at those people out there. Look at that church. All of a sudden, the things of God's heart begins to enter my broken heart, begins to enter my brokenness. He tenderizes my heart and begins to do the pride that I was walking with, my degree, my certificate. Do you know who I am? Do you know how hard I'm a hard work? No, God says, I don't want all that hard work. I want humility. I want, I want the humble spirit. I want you walking in the grace and the mercy that I've put before you. And all of a sudden, God begins to fill that heart with his tender mercy and with his love. The second thing that happens when gold has been purified is that it doesn't get affected by the atmosphere. Impure gold, so if you've got two, two, two rings in front of you, one's 100% gold, the other is 39% gold, both look the same, but after 50 years, one's corroded and rusty, the other one's not. See, when you go through the wilderness, what begins to happen is God says, I'm going to put you in the promised land. But in the promised land, there will be giants. In the promised land, there will be Jerichos. But Jericho, the spirit of Jericho will not get into you because you've already been purified. 
The things of the world will not affect you. That spirit, that this, that disease, that torment, whatever, it may be around you, but it shall not get within. So you were once in Egypt and Egypt got in, but I don't want any more anything else to get in. I want to put my spirit in you. And for that, if you enter with a pure heart, I can put you in any atmosphere. I can put you in any environment, but that environment will not affect you because you're pure like gold. And so you will not corrode. So that's the second thing that happens. The third thing that happens is when you, when you purify gold, it becomes transparent. The Bible talks about how the, 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 the road in heaven, we've got streets of gold. But the thing that we read in the book of Revelation is that it's so transparent that you can see your face. So when you, so, so when you become purified, when you go through this process in the wilderness, People are able to look within your brokenness, your humanity, but yet see your transparency. And through the transparency of your heart will able to be see Jesus. Because I said at the end of this thing, it's about revealing Jesus. So when Jesus is revealed in all his glory, people are able to see Christ in you, the hope of glory. And it's powerful what begins to happen. In fact, this is what it says in Job 23, verse 10. Job has gone through the testing. He lived through the wilderness, friends. Job 23, verse 10, it says, But he knows the way that I take. When he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. Did you see that? The ways he's tested me. When he's done it, I will come forth as gold. I will not be affected by the atmospheres around me. I will be a reflection of God and His presence in my life. And I will be tender. My heart, my spirit, my mind, my years will be sensitive to the things of God. I like, I like what Paul says to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20. It says, but in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. I call this message special purpose. Prepared for every special purpose. See, that's what God's plan and His heart is for you. He wants each of us, it's not just few of us, all of us to be a vessel of honor that vessel of gold in the hand of the Lord to be used for His kingdom purpose, to be poured out to feed the hungry, to be poured out to every dry and dead soul, to be, to be a sense of hope wherever. And that's His heart. And so, my friend, I want to encourage you this morning with, with this thought on the wilderness, that the wilderness is a place where you're prepared for special purpose. Why don't we take a moment to pray right now. Every eye closed, every head bowed in the presence of God. And you're saying that message spoke to me. And I didn't understand. Yes, I, I received this whole message in the wilderness, but I, I couldn't fathom. I couldn't, I couldn't align all the stuff that I was going through. All this, all, if people knew what was going and you're like, I'm pushing that away. That's not who I am. I want to go back. But God's saying, you know, you're actually moving forward because I'm revealing things that was always there. And if that is you right now, you're saying that's exactly where I'm at. But today I'm not rebuking it, I'm embracing it. I'm going to work with God and allow Him to do His work. But if that is you in this room and you're saying, that was for me, just lift your hands up across this room. See your hands going across this room, people saying, I need this, I need this, I need this. Father, I pray for every hand that's gone up. I pray for every person. We're all on a journey. 
We're all going from strength to strength and sometimes it feels like a setback. But Lord, we recognize this morning that those moments that we face are not setbacks, but rather they are set up for your special purpose. Lord, teach us God to not judge ourselves so harshly, but let us understand the saving hand of God for you to conceal and to protect us. Lord, we thank you for the wilderness because Lord, if the, if the world saw what was the way I behaved in the wilderness, God, I could be in jail, I could be in trouble, I could be unfriended, but I thank you, God, for your protection, for your protection over your children, over your people, where you've put us in this place called the wilderness to reveal, to manifest, to bring forth the things that need to be removed. And Lord, now we are excited about your special purpose. We recognize that the wilderness is a key player to show us and to indicate that we have been anointed that we are called, that we are chosen, that you have a special purpose for us. So Father, we walk out from this place excited, filled with your Spirit, knowing that all things work together for those who are called and called according to your purpose. If you're in this room, every eye close, every head bow, and you're saying, I need to put my faith in Jesus. I've, I've never made a public decision to be a follower of Jesus. Friend, I want you to know, saying yes to Jesus is the greatest thing. The heaviness, the burden, the weight that you've been carrying will be lifted off. And more than anything, the Bible says that your name will be written in the book of life where you'll have perfect harmony and eternity with God. And if that is you, it's, it's, it's as easy as coming and saying, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you're the way and the truth of life. I believe you took my pain, my shame, my guilt, my sin, and I put my faith in you. I want to confess you as my Lord. If that is you right now with every eye closed, you're saying, that's me. Include me in that prayer. Just those hands up high. Just so I know who you are and I can pray for you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We give you praise. We give you praise. Father, I pray for hands that have gone up. I pray, God, Holy Spirit, that you would continue to do your work in this place. And I just pray, God, that you continue to use us. And Lord, you, that, that the good work that you've begun, bring it into fruition. We give you all the glory in your name. We pray. Everybody shout, Amen.